is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you tonight. And now, we invite you to relax, let us pull up a chair, as the dining room proudly presents your dinner. Welcome back. After the COVID-19 pandemic swept across the world, we all found ourselves in an unexpected and unprecedented situation. The restaurant industry was hit especially hard by these new restrictions that have been put in place all over the U.S. to help contain the spread of the virus. The sudden cancellations of events and forced closures of restaurants, bars, schools, and other establishments left almost everyone wondering, what now? On this episode of Welcome Back, I'm joined by three practitioners of the culinary arts. A chef and owner of a local barbecue food truck and catering business, a chef from a restaurant that made it through COVID, and a chef from a restaurant that did not, but who decided to use his new position to cook for the community and give a little back. James Tyler is the chef and owner at Tyler's Craft Barbecue. James, what was that what now moment like for you? We had no idea what what was coming. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely been different, you know, since that, you know, everything got shut down and uh, and we did the same, uh, you know, shut it down and just tried to see like what the, everything became instantly uncertain from from the day to day certainties you had, you know, your schedule is weeks in ahead, months in ahead of things. Uh, events that you had planned of what you were going to do for this and really in an instant they were all it was gone it just it just disappeared and you know we had to go in our calendar and, and just x out x out chef william mock is the executive chef at ella's table at the inn at carnal hall chef mock tell us a little bit about your experience as it started getting progressively worse you know, we were we were just monitoring it and looking at it, and everything stopped. Uh, all the weddings got canceled. All the corporate events got canceled. All the meetings got canceled. Nothing happened. It just every my whole business came to a grinding stop. That's when you know everything got sad. <laughs> so, as cities and states reopen, our community of restaurants continue to face more challenges. And even established chefs are leaving top restaurants like The Preacher's Son in Bentonville, Arkansas to pursue new ventures. James, what was it like for you coming back? Uh, even before places started to open up, we, as everybody noticed, that the, the stores didn't have the surplus. Supply chains were interrupted. So then whenever we were sitting there, you know, you're, you're stressed at first, you know, because you're just sitting there trying to figure out, well, no, now what am I going to do? Not even if I wanted to open, can I get enough product to be able to, to have a, what a normal day would have been, you know, even a month, two to three weeks before. And now we're, you know, we've gone six months. Is that where we're sitting right now from whatever March to October is and, and normal still hasn't returned. James and Tyler's Craft Barbecue haven't opened up completely quite yet, but he's still doing catering, doing barbecue cook-offs and pairing with local breweries to do pop-up events. Chef Mock, what was it like for you to reopen Ella's and how did that play out? Reopening was, was man, just as bad as closing, I felt, because they, they made you reopen with such restrictions that you can't run a business off that. 
in, in the restaurant business, you need all your people. You need all your your customers. You need all your staff. Uh, you need everything you can to run. And and what makes a restaurant successful is running at 100%. And not not 33%, not 66%, not being able to have five tables outside. All that was just chicken shit impeachment. Like you can't run a business limping like that in the restaurant. You can't have the cost keep going up and the guests keep coming down and thinking you're going to make any money or even keep the doors open. It's just not viable. And so, so when, when people talk about their industries and what they can do and they can go zoom meeting and they can work for home and chefs, we don't have work from home opportunities. You know, we have to be there in the ground servers. They have to be there serving people. They can't do that with five tables outside. Ella's table is open and they've even brought back their weekly Sippin' at Sunset with craft cocktails and live music. James, what were your biggest concerns about opening the barbecue truck back up? Whenever everything was so uncertain, it was like, okay, not only am I preparing your food, now I'm taking the money in the window, dealing with people, then turning around. And for me, it was just kind of, it was even, it was more intimidating to even try to do that because of just being afraid that something could happen and none of it would have been good, you know, per se, if for God, you know, for, you know, for the worst case scenarios, if someone thought they contracted the virus at your establishment or whatever, and I, I that, that responsibility, I just didn't want to take on. I mean, that was just something that, uh, it, for us, you know, and I know a lot of restaurants, even though someone said, well, you can open it 25%. Well, in the restaurant business, that's still, that's not enough of a, of a clientele for what, what restaurants need to be able to survive. And we're seeing a lot of them that unfortunately, I hate it, but uh, they, they're not making it and we're not out of the woodwork yet. And so, um, the, the strategy we took was to err on the side of caution and try to wait and see what comes next. You know, luckily that uh, one of the things we were very fortunate with was that we have a food trailer um, that, you know, over time we've been able to pay off. So you don't have that overhead over you. I don't have any employees, it's just me. So luckily I didn't have to try to make sure that, you know, as a lot of people had to, is to make sure that their employees and their staff just even had a job. And uh, so where we were able to say, you know, it's better for us to just stop for the time being, other people didn't have that, that luxury and, and they've been fighting and scratching and clawing to, uh, and I applaud them. I mean, they're, they're, these guys are doing everything they can to take care of their employees and everyone had to make the decision they felt they were most comfortable with. And ours was to just take a break for a little while. Chef Mock, what were some of the decisions that you had to make at Ellis? The, the hours that, that they wanted us to be open and whatnot, it wasn't really viable. People don't like to eat at those hours. A lot of the staff members, they weren't really worried about coming back anyway because they had you know the, the extra super unemployment. So they were doing all straight. For a while, that was real sketch, you know, because, uh, you know, I was worried about those guys because they, they started losing all that stuff. And then um, there wasn't any help out for them. And, and with, like, servers, they're making tips. So you can't really – it's hard to go to the own unemployment line and be like, hey, I uh, I usually pulled out $150 in cash and, and 
you know, they're looking at you like, prove it. The restaurant industry with its razor thin profit margins is a brutal one even at its best of times. Now COVID has weakened its already fragile financial structure. And according to research from the National Restaurant Association, between March and the end of May, the restaurant sector had already lost $120 billion in sales. But along with exposing some of the sector's fundamental problems, the havoc coronavirus has wreaked has also highlighted the critical role that restaurants play in fueling other parts of the economy. Chef Mock, tell us a little bit about how vital a role the restaurant industry really does play in a community. Like as far as, that's hard because what's funny about that is it's an expense and it's like a luxury and people can actually do without going to the restaurant or do without going to, um, especially in fine dining, right? But you can't do without food, right? And so in that sense, you know, food's absolutely vital uh, for, for our human existence. But I would say the role that, that it plays to the community is, you know, people like going to them, you know, they're, they're, they're such a social hub of, of what we do is take it from in, in New Orleans. It, it built a whole industry on that, that whole city, uh, is, is there because of the tourism and restaurant industry, especially since the oil left, all the oil left in New Orleans and went to Houston. And, and what they did was double down on tourism. That's why, you know, they, they've got all the restaurants, they've got all the hotels, they've got all those things that make it go. But when you, when you look at, at what restaurants and, and what bars and what that does to a community, just look at the passion that people put into it on receiving it. And, uh, it's, it's tough. It's been, it's been bad for this industry in particular. It's hurt a lot of people but restaurant and bars and event centers, uh, gosh, I mean, you could look down to wedding planners and I know I'll leave things out that got impacted, but just things off the top of my head of people that I deal with daily. I mean, everything they had went to nothing. The pandemic has forced even major restaurants like celebrity chef David Chang's Momofuku to close even two of its restaurants completely. The restaurants were certainly hit hard, the whole line of Theo's restaurants here in Fayetteville, Arkansas had to sell out. And some local places like Mickey Finn's Irish Pub and Sauced Barbecue had to shut their doors for good. So yes, the restaurants themselves suffered. But what about those people who now had nothing to do? Chef Thor Maher is a local chef and one of my best friends. He was at a restaurant that had to close. Thor, what was that like, man? So, COVID. <laughs> Uh, March 17th, St. Patty's Day, was the last day I worked at a restaurant. The restaurant shut down. That was, a, that was the last day. Then I had back surgery on March 20th. So I dealt with the beginning of the pandemic and back surgery and was basically, you know, boarded up for two months. And I think mental health issues can never be overstated you know it's a it's a serious issue and i dealt with it and, and i'm still dealing with it uh and especially during this pandemic it's uh you know something everybody really needs to not take lightly and pay attention to what did you do to beat that kind of daunting feeling of being trapped it was not in a good place you know mentally was in a pretty pretty deep hole um was so depressed that I didn't, I didn't want to cook. And, you know, 
I don't have, really have never had another outlet, um, you know, for my energy or for my artistic, you know, I can barely spell my name. I can't draw a fucking picture, you know, like my, you know, my way to express myself artistically and, you know, you know, get out my energy has always been cooking. Um, so I kind of lost that uh, for a few months. And then, you know, like I said, it was a catch 22. I didn't want to do anything, but the thing that I needed to do, I didn't want to do. Finally got back into it and just started doing um, just family style meals for, you know, my friends and family. And, uh, you know, it's, it's started to grow and realized it was a way for me to give back to the community um, and uh, also, you know, feed my desire and creativity and, you know, heart and soul. Um, you know, to get that back to where it needed to be. Um, and, you know, still working on it, but, you know, you know, that, you know, given, you know, just cooking for friends and family, hey, I got 25 meals, I got 30 meals, come and get it. Um, and, you know, it's nice because I can do whatever I want <laughs> so I can be creative. Um, but yeah, that was huge for me trying to, to get over to get over not cooking was uh was rough um but food will find a way <laughs> chef thor and i worked together at ellis table a few years ago while we were cooking together we always talked about the food and the special power that it could really have over you thor you used to tell me it was there that you really grew you know there i really um discovered the power of food and how much a dish can change a person's attitude day week life year you know just you know seeing seeing that unfold seeing the look on their faces seeing how happy people were uh that that changed me a lot it was it was really powerful in the words of american food writer and chef ruth reichel Every restaurant is a theater, and the truly great ones allow us to indulge in the fantasy that we were rich and powerful. When restaurants hold up their end of the bargain, they give us the illusion of being surrounded by servants intent on ensuring our happiness and offering extraordinary food. But even modest restaurants offer the opportunity to become someone else, at least for a little while. Restaurants free us from the mundane reality when you walk through that door. You're entering neutral territory where you're free to be whoever you choose for the duration of that meal. Restaurants are special, and that's why they need help. The state of Arkansas announced a $50 million grant program aimed at helping the state's hospitality industry. Under the program, approved by the Arkansas Legislative Council, Arkansas businesses in the personal care, tourism, travel, recreation, and hospitality industries will be able to apply for a business interruption grant of up to $250,000. The program is aimed at businesses of 250 or fewer full-time employees, and grants will be awarded on a prorated basis depending on the total number of applicants and the amount of reimbursement requested. The grant program comes as businesses in the hospitality industry have grown frustrated by the lack of further federal aid and persistent COVID-19 related restrictions that include a capacity restriction at restaurants and entertainment venues. 
I mean, these are people's li livelihoods that we're talking about, you know, these are people's jobs, people's homes that are getting lost, you know, businesses. Melissa Wilson, a principal at the industry consultancy Technomic, expects restaurants to implement technology like UV portals that de-germify you as you walk through the door, and in the back of the house, AI could help remotely monitor whether employees are following cleaning protocols. Chef Mock, what do you think the future holds? Robots. <laughs> no, just playing. I think moving forward, you have to learn how to treat people or, or not. They're going to get that robot I was talking about that, that hooks up that burger. James? As far as the future, there's not going to be a time where there's not restaurants. That won't, it just won't happen. And um, because, the, you know, it just people, people need that, there's that uh, convenience to being able to go out and, you know, with people working as hard as they are now. You know, you're not going to see that go away. It'll just be, you know, all of a sudden we'll just come to find out that, man, we had to tweak it a little bit. And, you know, and that, that's gone for things throughout the history of everything that, you know, things were done a certain way, something happened, uh, something filled in the gap, and then we move forward and then you, uh, you progress. I mean, you know, people have, a, especially people that are going to get into something like the restaurant business or whatever. I mean, these are fighting the entrepreneurial spirit is, is a losing battle. They're, they're going, entrepreneurs are dedicated and they're going to get out there and figure this out. So I have no, I have the utmost faith that they will, uh, there will be somebody that in the future figures out how to do all this and how to do it safely for everybody. It just, it'll happen. It's, it's crazy to think it wouldn't. But we'll we'll make the best of it. We've seen bad things before, and and bad things will come again. So uh, you know, you learn lessons, and maybe there's a lesson we learned needed we needed to learn here that'll protect people in the future. And so that you know, like I said, everyone's got their strategy, and and they had to do what was best for them and their their families and their their employees. What a journey this has been for all of us, but we've endured the journey. We've done it together. And so in the words of Anthony Bourdain, the journey is part of the experience. It's an expression of the seriousness of one's intent. Our future needs us. So let us be intent. Let us come back better and stronger. Let us come back unified and together and determined. And let us find happiness in the rest of our brief but beautiful experience here on Earth. Thanks for listening to Welcome Back. I'm Shane White.